Hey, good morning, everybody. It's great to see you out today. Welcome to MCC. I love to hear Dan's stories, don't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Some of you can re some of you can relate just a little bit too well to Dan. But it's great. It's great to hear people's stories. And that's what I want you to know. If, if you walk away with anything this morning, we're going to talk about failure and we're going to talk about how that's all part of our journey with God. And we're going to see how God addresses our failure this weekend. But but here's what I want you to know is that your story is important. And that's why on your way in, people said hello to you because people want to hear your story. And the best way for you to start sharing your story is through that welcome home card that you received on the way in. Take a minute, all of you, please fill that out. Just name a contact information, but on the back where it says discover, I, I wanted you to share with me the discoveries that you're making, some things that we can pray with you, join you in praying with you about. I know this morning that uh, one of our newlywed couples, uh, Jake and Beth, came in this morning, and, and all the girls were like clamoring about Beth. Tell us, tell us about it, Beth. Tell us about it, Beth. You know, and, and that's the way I feel about you and your story, and that's how God feels about you, is he knows everything about us, but he wants to hear it from you. He wants to hear from you. And that's what we're going to see today in John chapter 21. If you want to find your place there, we are going to look at an encounter between Jesus and one of his disciples, a guy by the name of Peter, probably one of the most familiar disciples. If you've been around and heard the story of God very many times, you've run across Peter. Now, our middle schoolers were here Friday night and Saturday, over 50 middle school boys and girls. It took us forever to get the smell of feet out of the worship center. <laughs> but they had a great time, and I just, I want you to thank Jake. I want you to thank Jake Yule, who is our middle school pastor. I want you to thank him. And his team, because they, they, if you've not, if you have not allowed your student to be part of the ministry here, whether they are just beginning to walk and crawl, or whether they are teenagers or college age, they will leave here every time with the truth of God's word. We're not a daycare place. We're not a drop-off place. But we are a place where people learn about God. And these students, they learn so much. And the whole title, the whole theme was leveling up, right? It's kind of built off of that premise that when you're playing video games, you know, Call of Duty, Minecraft, the, the, those games that you play, the, there's this idea of leveling up progressing and, and we talk to them about what it is to know God and, and how we level up with him as we study his word as we apply his word to our our life we talked about what leveling up looks like in transformation that we're no longer conforming to the kids around us to the world but we're being transformed by allowing God's word to penetrate our mind and our heart. We talked about what it is to be right with God and how when we're right with God, that's the first step in getting right with the relationships that we have with the people around us. And a big part of leveling up comes down to how we deal with failure. 
And that's where God leads us next in John chapter 21. We're going to take a big piece of scripture here. We're going to read it together. And I want you to let this scripture speak to you today. I'm going to suggest a couple underlines as we read along. Because if you underline something, you're going to underline it a little bit in your heart and in your mind. And then we're going to come back and hit a few highlights. John chapter 21, beginning in verse 1. Familiar passage. Afterward... Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. I want you to underline that place because that place is significant. And I want you to think about those Sea of Galilee moments in your life, those places in your relationship with God that are familiar. And for some of you this weekend, this will be your Sea of Galilee moment. So underline that. He appeared to his disciples again by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, James and John, the two other disciples, they were together. Peter said, hey, I'm going out to fish. And they said, well, we'll go with you. So they went out and they got in the boat, but they caught nothing. Don't you hate that when you go fishing? That's the story of my life. I gave up fishing. Now, I eat plenty of fish, so those of you who can go out all day and fish, call me and I'll help you eat them. It was early in the morning. They'd been out all night, verse 4. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not recognize it was Jesus. And that's the way it is when we feel like a failure. Sometimes we don't recognize him even when he's just right there close by. They didn't recognize him, but he called out to them, friends, you got any fish? No, they said. He said, throw your net to the other side of the boat and you'll find some. Now, I want you to underline that because that's familiar, right? This isn't the first time that Jesus has said those words. When they did... They were unable to haul the net because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, anybody know who the disciple Jesus loved is? It's the guy writing the story, right? He's saying, God, Jesus loved me. He didn't love the other group of you. But the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. And as soon as Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, Peter grabbed his outer cover, his, the cloak of his robe. Aren't you glad we don't have to wear those togas anymore? Well, some of you probably still do a toga party every once in a while. But Dan and toga party. Anyway, <laughs> he grabbed that robe and he tied it around his waist and he jumped in the water and he swam to shore. Verse 8, the other disciples stayed in the boat towing the net full of fish. They weren't far from shore, about 100 yards. I love the detail because you can get the picture. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat, dragged the net to shore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn the net was not torn. That's another one of those things that I want you to remember. The net was not torn. Verse 12, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. 
Jesus approached the food, took the bread, gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This is now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So we get the timeline right there. Jesus has risen from the dead. It's been days he has seen his disciples two, three times, including these guys. Verse 15, when they had finished eating, here's the part. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, well, then feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? It says Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? Peter said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. And then Jesus says these words. He says, very truly, Peter, I tell you that when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Verse 20, Peter turned and saw the disciple John, whom Jesus loved, was following them. Verse 21, when Peter saw him, he said, Lord, what about John? And Jesus said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? In other words, Peter, just focus on us right now. This is about you. Well, because of this, the rumor spread among the disciples that, that John would not die. But Jesus didn't say that he wouldn't die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple, John says of himself, who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Now, here's the part I, I want you to grab for right this second. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Now, as always, I want you to listen to that last statement in context to what's just happened. If John would have written down everything that they witnessed Jesus do, it says that the books, the journals, the notes would be so many, there's just not enough room in the whole world to store that. So why this account? Jesus has already met with the disciples two times. Why this third encounter and why take the page space to write it down? Because every one of us can relate to this. Every one of us can relate to those moments when we have made a mistake and when we have screwed up. We certainly do before coming to Christ and we do even after we come to him. And it's so important to see what Jesus Christ has to say about that. And so let's pray. Father, of all the things that were written about you and by you through the power of your Holy Spirit, working in the lives of guys like the Apostle John. We are grateful today for this account. 
that tells us of your grace and your mercy toward us when we fail. Thank you for finding us in our sinfulness. Thank you for calling us to shore where you remind us, redirect us, and yes, Father, restore us. And so today, may we who come seeking that restoration, that redirection, that reminder, may we find it in you just as Peter did. Thank you, Lord, for our Savior, for our King, our Master, Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Here in John chapter 21, Jesus has risen from the dead. He has appeared to Mary Magdalene. You, you talk about Mary. You talk about a person who has experienced failure in her life. The gospel writers tell us that when Jesus met Mary or when Mary met Jesus, her life was consumed with other things, with failures, with past mistakes, demons, if you will. We don't know if that was some type of a, a physical addiction, a sexual addiction. We, we don't know what that looked like for her. Maybe Maybe it was her upbringing that, that left her hearing voices in her head that led her down wrong path after wrong path. But what we know is that her life was a failure until she met Jesus. And now Jesus has risen from the dead. And who's the first person that he chooses to show himself to? It's Mary Magdalene. From there, he said to Mary, he said, go. Go get James and John, go get Peter and John, excuse me, and, and tell them to meet me here. And, and they came running. He, he appeared to the disciples in that locked room behind locked doors. He, he walked right through those walls and, and he appeared to those who had scattered, who had run scared for their own life, betrayed Jesus, if you will. He appeared to the two on the road to Emmaus and hundreds of others. And now several days after those first encounters, we find Peter. We find Peter and his buddies. We find them on a boat, back on a boat near the shore of the Sea of Galilee. What's he doing back on a fishing boat? Didn't he leave all of that three years earlier to follow Jesus? Didn't he? Isn't, isn't that what he said, that he, he parked his boat there and he, and he left everything to follow him? Well, Peter had failed. And Peter had failed in a big way. Some might say that it's one of the worst things that we could do to deny Jesus' existence in our life. It was Peter who was outside that court. Remember last week when we talked about Pontius Pilate? We talked about Jesus appearing before the religious leaders, not just once, but three different trials. And Peter was standing outside. And not just once, but three times he was asked, Aren't, haven't I seen you with Jesus but you know, his failures aren't that unlike ours. <laughs> when we know where we should be and we know what we should be doing and we know whose we are, do we not deny him in those same moments in our life when we are not where we're supposed to be, when we do not know whose we are? Peter had failed, he had failed in a big way. And some speculate that Peter had returned to his old way of life. And maybe so. Isn't that what you do when, when you have a failure in your life? Don't you kind of step back? We were talking about the gaming world and how we level up. But, but what happens when we make a mistake and we, we run right into the enemy, right? We sometimes go back. 
If we go back to that previous level, if there are levels, you, you know what I mean? Don't we go back to a more familiar place? Don't, don't we go back to a routine that we were used to before that, that's a little bit maybe, maybe not having to try so hard <laughs> to, be, to be different, to be perfect? See, I think we all tend to go back to that place of familiarity when we experience failure. But here's the point I want you to consider this weekend. And that is that Peter went back. Yes, he did. He went back, but he went back to the place that he first met Jesus. And whether we go back there physically, emotionally, or spiritually, I want you to understand it's okay as long as you go back for that purpose, to find him again. Because he is right there, ready to meet you. And I want to just remind you of that first encounter that Peter had with Christ. <laughs> I asked you to underline Sea of Galilee because that's where Peter went back to this day in John 21. He went back to the Sea of Galilee. Why is that important? Because that's where he met Jesus. Matt, or Luke records it this way in chapter 5. It says, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is the Sea of Galilee, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon Peter, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and he talked the people, taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out a little, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've been, been out all night. <laughs> it's familiar. And haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. I, I want you to think about those because you say so. In, in fact, you could write that down and make a sentence out of it. Because you say so, I will. I, I, I want you to think about those moments in your life when because Jesus said so, you did. You put it into practice. Those level up moments when you first heard the teachings of Christ that were different from the way that you had seen relationship. That, that were different about the way that you went to work. That were different about life situations. And you say, okay God, if you say so, I'm gonna do what you've asked and then you do it. But it almost sinks your boat. <laughs> because you're not used to what you're catching. Peter, he does what Jesus tells him to do. He caught so many fish that his boat's beginning to sink. And it says in verse 8 that when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. Now, if you'd been fishing all night, and all of a sudden, you do what Jesus said because you say so. I'm going to throw my nets on the other side. You let Jesus speak into your life a truth Jesus isn't a fisherman. He's a carpenter at this point. What's he know about fishing? And we do the same thing. What does that preacher know? This, this old history book? What does it know about life today? But we do it. But we do it. 
And when we do, you would think that we would be shouting for joy, but sometimes it, it shows us just how messed up we were before. <laughs> you, you and I both know what Peter's thinking when Jesus says, I want you to cast on the other side. He's thinking, he said some of it out loud. We've been out here all night. What, what do you know, God? And then you realize what God knows. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell on his knees and he said, go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. Just how sinful we in our ways are without him is so humbling. You might say that Jesus, this was Peter's first real moment with the Christ. And it's in that moment that Peter feels like a failure, but listen, he isn't. Why? Because in that moment, Peter surrendered what was best to him. He surrendered his boat. He surrendered his life. He surrendered his knowledge and his experience. And he said, if you say so, I will put out to deep. If you say so, I will start casting on the other side. And in that moment, Jesus took his failure and turned it into a catch of a lifetime. Go away from me, Jesus. I'm a sinful man. But listen to what Jesus said in verse 10. Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll catch men. And so they pulled their boats up to shore, left everything, and followed him. Here's what I want you to think about. What you and I see sometimes as failure, God sees as a great beginning in our relationship with him. Sometimes it's in our deepest failure. Sometimes it's when we get down on our knees and we realize, God, I am a sinner. I'm not deserving of your presence on my boat. That's where we can begin. Those of you who've dealt with addiction, you, you, you know this from step number one. It's when we realize that you're powerless over your Addiction, but you have a choice. <laughs> and that choice is to go to the one who holds all power. It's not a higher power, it's God himself. <clears throat> Peter's denial and his failure propels him to go back to the place where he met Christ, the place where Christ called him out of the boat to follow him. And so I ask you this morning, are you living in the middle of something that has left you feeling like a failure? And I know you are. There are failed relationships that fill this room today. There are bad decisions after bad decisions. There are things that you generally do well, but this time it didn't go so well. God's inviting you out of your boat of failure to step onto the shore with him today. And so that's why Peter went back to that familiar place. Let me give you another reason why I think Peter went back to the Sea of Galilee and back to that boat it's another Sea of Galilee moment that, that we're familiar with. It was right after Jesus had fed the 5,000. Remember the crowd of people? They'd stayed all day, listened to him teach. All they had was little boy sack lunch. And, Peter, and Jesus said to the disciples, I, I want you to feed them all, right? And so they fed them all, and they fed a multitude. That's just 5,000 men. You know if there were 5,000 men, there were at least... Two times that in women and children that were there in the crowd. And he feeds them with just a few fish and a few loaves of bread. And at the end of the day, the disciples are exhausted. Jesus is tired. And, and Jesus says, hey, Peter, I, I want you guys to get on the boat. I want you to go across the lake, the Sea of Galilee. <laughs> I want you to go across there to the other side. And I'm going to meet you on the other side. 
Matthew chapter 14 says, when the boat was already considerable distance from the shore, buffeted by the waves, pushed back because of the wind was against it, during the fourth watch of the night, midnight, three o'clock in the morning, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. I would be too. It's a ghost, they said. They cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. The others are still cowering. And Peter says, Lord, if it's you, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got out of the boat. You remember it? He got out of the boat one foot, second foot. All of a sudden, he's standing on top of the water. He begins to walk towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind... He was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? Now, depending on your experience with God, how do you hear those words, you of little faith? Do you hear them that way? Is criticism? Peter, you of little faith. It was just a few steps. Did, didn't you see the miracle that I just performed? You, you were there handing out the fish. You saw the 14 baskets of leftovers. There wasn't 14 baskets of anything to start with. Peter, Peter, you remember that catch when I stepped onto your boat and you put out a little bit from shore? Haven't you grown any? You hear this criticism? It's okay. Because that's a lot to do with where you come from in life. As you were criticized too harshly, you were firstborn. How many firstborns do we have in here? We, we were talking the other day, our parents were just terrible to us. They're so hard on us. Uh, my firstborn, I was a little bit too hard. She reminds me of the day that we were at a restaurant. <laughs> We were at a restaurant, and I still remember it. We remember the booth. She remembers the booth. She was five years old. Her sister was just little bitty, and Olivia was making fun of her sister and just, just being mean. And I had had enough, and I reached across the table, and I grabbed her by the nose with those two fingers, and I pulled her across the table. You're going to report me, I know. <laughs> she still got a nose. She's Okay. But we are so hard on our firstborn. But some of you had parents that crossed that line. And all you've heard in your life is you don't measure up. And I'm sure that when you hear you of little faith, you're thinking, oh boy, that's the way I feel when I'm in church. That's the way that I feel with God. But my friends, Jesus sees our failure as an opportunity to take our eyes off of our failure and to look deeply into the eyes of the one who chose us. Who chose us to be the recipient of these encounters with him. You see, sometimes, sometimes failure isn't really failure at all. I'm not sure that Peter did anything wrong here. And you say, oh, but, but preacher, I've heard preachers talk about how when you take your eyes off Jesus and you look at the wind and the waves, you just don't have enough faith. Okay, so when it's storming outside 
and you go down to your basement, my little sister used to call those corner storms when we'd get in the corner of the basement, you don't look around, mom doesn't go to the window just to make sure that there's not a tornado right around the corner that's gonna suck you up out of that basement. You, you don't do that, right? You just go down there and you play a game and you're just all happy because you're not worried at all about the storm, right? When, when you're a kid and you've got that bully, bullies, I look back at the bullies, a friend of mine that I went to school with is here today, I'm so glad that he's here. And he'll remember, just like all of you do, those bullies that walk down the hallway. I look back at them now, and they were just little bitty fat guys, all they were. <laughs> and, and, and they would be right there, you know, to throw a jab at you or whatever. You're telling me that when you walked down the hallway at school, you, you didn't look over just to watch as you went by to, to kind of move your books over to be sure you didn't knock the books out of your hand? You're, t you're telling me that that didn't happen, okay? All right? So when you're playing a video game, you, you don't watch for the enemy soldiers or the opposing players that are, that are coming up behind you. Yes, Peter saw the wind and the waves. And yes, Peter began to sink. But I also want you to notice that he is the only one in that boat who cried out to Jesus and said, hey, if it's you, command me. What are those command me moments in your life? Where you've said in the middle of some circumstances, some storms in your life, command me. If you say be faithful, I'll be faithful. If you tell me to stay, I'll stay. Command me. Peter's also the only one who stepped out of that boat in that storm and walked towards Jesus, and when he began to sink, who did he cry out to? He didn't curse. He didn't start flailing around. Oh! He cried out to Jesus, save me. He got to feel the touch of Jesus Christ reaching out his hand and pulling him up and setting him back on his feet again. My friend's failure is an opportunity if we'll take it. You see, I take this as more of Peter, you have little faith, but I know you've learned something today about faith. <laughs> and good for you, because you're gonna need it. See, one of the challenges is, is that we come to these big moments in our life, guys, where we need faith, but we can't wait for that to be the first time that we step out of the boat. We need to be stepping out every day in the situations that are around us and trusting him. Even if you start to sink, you cry out to him and you let him set you back on your feet because that, my friends, is what builds faith. You see, failure is not an indictment of our lack of faith. It's a reminder that Jesus won't let us drown if we cry out to him. And in your failure today, have you cried out to him? Have you? Have you looked him in the eye and taken his hand? Yes, the Sea of Galilee was a familiar place to Peter. And I hope that the Sea of Galilee is becoming a familiar place in your life. That place where you first heard Jesus' teaching. That place where you let him onto your boat. 
where you listen to his invitation to put out into deep that first time. That place when he said, okay, now I want you in my boat. (laughs) I want you to step out of yours and I want you to leave it behind you and I want you to follow me. It's the place we look him in the eye and we say, okay, God, command me. You're not just my savior, you're my Lord and I will follow you. Can you hear his voice today calling out from shore to you with words that take you back to your first encounter? I hope so. But I also hope that for those of you who are hearing his voice for the first time right now, that you will listen and that you will follow him. Are you willing to get out of the boat that you're in? You see, that's a big question. Jesus asked a dude one time, do you really want to get well? (laughs) And I think that's the reality here. Are you going to sulk around in your failure? Are you going to continue to repeat the same actions over and over and over again that led to your failure? Are you going to get out of that boat and follow him? He's asking you, going back to John 21, He's asking you the same thing that he asked Peter. Listen and see if you can hear what he's saying. Do you truly love me more than these? Me, he's asking you. Do you love me? Not not what I do for you. Not, not, Not the feeling that you get. But do you love me? Who or what are those these to you this morning? Do, do, do you love him more than you love your friends? Do, do you love him more than you love your pride? Do you love him more than you do your faith? I don't love my failure. Are you sure you don't love him? Because we sure spend a lot of time in them. And then he asks again, why three times? Well, listen. Do you truly love me? It's a completely different question. The first one is, do you love me? The second one is, do you truly love me? Peter loves a choice. I'm asking you to choose right now. Love sacrifices, Peter. Love love serves. Love obeys. Do, do Do you truly love me? And then the third is pretty obvious. Do you, Peter, love me? I'm not asking John right now. Not asking Nathaniel. I'm not asking the others that are sitting around filling their face with fish right now. I'm asking you. Can you see him looking you in the eye right now? Saying, do you love me? (laughs) Do you then follow me. And it was in that moment that Peter said, Lord, you know all these things. You know that I love you. And it was in that moment that Peter's failure was completely consumed by the love of the one who had died for Peter. (laughs) The one who didn't just die for Peter, but died for his failures (laughs) and yours and mine. (laughs) 
that didn't just die, didn't just go to the grave, but, but actually got up out of that grave because there was no failure that day. <laughs> that failure was proof of Jesus' faith in his father. And he asked us to have that same faith that even though you die, you live. <laughs> even though you fail, there's a new beginning. There's a new opportunity. His question to you today, no matter the failure, is do you love me? And if the answer is yes, my friends, then follow him. Follow him. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, you get up and you follow him. He has purpose for your life. He has love for your life. He has grace and forgiveness and mercy for your life. Follow him and he will lead you right here on this planet and one day he will lead you home. If you love him, then be part of this church family. Yes, church families fail. Some have failed big time. But that is no excuse. That is no excuse to give up and to say, I am done. It's an opportunity to ask God to lead us, to correct us, to redeem us. Then you come and you be part of this church family. If you love him, then step out of your boat and at least come and talk with him today. Get down on your knees before him in prayer. There's a place in the back where you can do that called the next steps area. I'm going to be right here and I'd love to help you take your next step. Whether that's toward this being your church home or your next step into that water where another one Another one last night came and surrendered their life to Jesus Christ. <laughs> I forgot to mention at the top of the service, Chuck Galbraith came last Saturday night and said, I've been checking things out for a long time. But the truth is, is he wasn't checking things out. He was checking him out. And he was making the decision that some of you need to make in this room. And that is, will I be faithful? Will I stay the course? Because I don't want to step up in front of a room of people and say, hey, I'm all in. And then two months later, something happened and I'd be all out again. And so I invite you to come and let's talk about what that next step can look like in your life. Let's stand together and let's pray. Father. We sure need you. We need you in the good times, and we sure need you in the times when we have failed. And Lord, all of us in this room have failed. Some of us have failed what we think is a really big time. But Lord, you've given us the biggest example of failure today. And Father, you redeemed him. Father, you made a trip to him just like you made a trip to all of us when you came in the form of Jesus Christ and lived this air that we live in this life that we live in experience the temptations that we live in and you said no to sin where we have said yes and you did all of that so that you could be the one that would reconcile us back to yourself that sacrifice, that person that would stand in our place 
for failures that we made in the past and for failures that we have made and will make in the future. And Lord, today, we don't just name it and claim it. We want to live in it. We want to walk in it. We want to be it. And so, Father, thank you for redeeming us and restoring us. And for those who've come seeking that today, maybe they didn't even know that's why they're here. Well, Lord, give them faith and the courage to step out. And may they too abide in you. May you give us what we need today to be faithful to you and to trust your grace and to trust your mercy and your forgiveness and your love. God, we love you. Help us to love you truly. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm right here. David's back there. We'll meet you in the middle. Just step out.